Hey guys, it's good to be back with you. Cloud with you here. I'm with Pastor Greg Freeman. Hey Cloud, how are you? And Maria Johnson. Hello, how are you doing? We've got guests today. We're going to introduce you a little bit more later, but a little bit, guys, about what we're doing. Hopefully you have been tracking along. There's just a series of episodes we've been doing about leadership. Greg put this together. We have guest people coming in. So if you haven't listened to those, go back and check them out. Maybe you just clicked on this one alone. Whether you're listening daily on the, the daily podcast or you came later and you found it on a leadership page or someone sent it to you, whatever, we're glad you're here. The, the topic today is, is really talking about leadership. Now, this is episode three of that series. And on the last one, we kind of touched on this when we were with, with Chad. We talked about how uh, leaders are followers. And so today we're going to talk more about how, how do you treat people as a leader? And that's kind of the big idea where we're heading. So really, why are we doing this? The whole, the whole reason is, you know, if, if God created everything, and man is called to steward that. We, we, we mentioned that before. And then, you know, if you're in Christ, there's new creation and God has his kingdom here on earth, which is represented by the church. Then we're all called to leadership and at some level. We all have been called to this great commission. And so everybody is a leader at some point, even if you think you're not, you're a leader. And so uh, I begged with you in the past few episodes, like, do not check out. Do not think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I don't own my own business. I'm not the boss. I'm not in charge. At some level, you're a leader. And so all that to be said, we think we should be developing leaders. Greg, you're very passionate about this. You say, what's the word? The lo locus? Locus of leadership development. The church should be the locus of leadership development. The very center of equipping folks. Uh, and we were discussing this kind of before we, we launched this episode. We, we Before we hit the button, it's, you know, in church, people see, you know, pastors or, or speakers or whatever. Oh, well, that's easy for you. You have this ideal of how things are supposed to be. You don't, you don't get how it is in the real world. And I'm in this secular job or, or whatever it is. There's always mm -hmm. some sort of mental pushback uh, to, oh, you don't get it. And so we brought some folks in and, and guests that are out there. And the, I'm using air quotes, the real world. The real world. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, what does it mean to be a Christ follower and a leader? not just being a pastor, but what does it mean to be a leader, you know, in construction or banking or whatever it is when you, when you're leading people. And so with that being said, Greg, you're talking a little bit more about today's topic. Yeah. So today, thanks, Claude. We are talking about uh, these characteristics of leadership. And today we're going to talk about the characteristic that leaders care about their people. And so as Cloud said, if you have influence, you're a leader. And so as a leader, we need to always keep in mind how we're treating those who we lead, whether it's our children, it's our family, it's an employee, uh, it's a classroom, which may make sense for Maria. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to be, uh, or a small group, uh, uh, if you're here at New Vision and you're leading a small group, these things apply to all of those scenarios. So we're called to care about people because God cares about people. And so we've been using Saul and David as a comparison uh, in 1 Samuel. And so we see a real difference between those two as we get into this topic. And so Saul was cruel. Now listen to this from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 20, verses 30 through 33. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? Now remember, this is Saul talking to his son. So that's a, that's a tough <laughs> deal right there. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Verse 32, then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear 
at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. So again, Jonathan is Saul's son. He tried to hurl a spear at him. That's not a great father no. moment, right? There's yeah, a, and not a good husband either because yeah. he's talking about his mom like you son the of a perverse. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so okay, not, buddy. not a great. A <laughs> yeah. little bit some cruelty there. Yeah, but there's some other uh, examples of, of Saul's cruelty. Uh, this is a little bit longer, but it just shows one Samuel twenty two verses eleven through nineteen. Then the king sent to summon Clyde. How do you say Emimelech? Just go with it. It's fine. Emelech, Emelech, Ayatub, and all his father's house, the priests who were at Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ayatub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, so that he has risen against me to lie in wait as at this day? So Saul's angry at David, and he, now he's angry at the people who are supporting David. Then I. Limelech answered the king, and who among you, all your servants is as faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first time I have inquired of God for him? No, let the king impute anything to a servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of all this much or little. So Limelech standing up to him saying, this is your son-in-law, David's mm. son-in-law, and he's your hero. And the king said, you shall surely die, Elimelech. You and all your father's house. That's tough. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. It's a good plan. Right. (laughs) But it goes on. Then the king said to Dog, You turn and strike the priests. And Dog the Edomite turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep, he put to the sword. So he's like, I'll he was, kill you and your family. Because he was right. angry, right? Yeah, so that, right. there's some cruelty uh, in that. And then, but David was kind, right? So we, we have this contrast. And in Second Samuel, verse 9, there's a narrative. David is the king now, and he's actively looking for opportunities to show kindness. And so in verse 1 of chapter 9, and David said, is there... Uh, still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. So a former servant of of Saul's tells David about Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Got that one. (laughs) Mephibosheth. (laughs) And Mephibosheth was Saul's grandson. Okay. Right. And the Bible says he was lame in both feet. So he was in a tough spot. So David tells the servant, bring Mephibosheth to him. And that's daunting for Mephibosheth. Got it one time. For the young man to be summoned. To the king. That's a scary thing. But David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore you to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. He goes on in verse 9 All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. He says this to the servant, And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. And so in this we see even of the the grandson of an enemy david was looking to be kind to him so we see in this scripture real clear divide between yeah. a cruel leader and a kind leader and what draws that so um yeah hopefully and, and absolutely yeah. like of the people that david would have wanted to get rid of you know the progeny of his the past king would have been one of them he had every reason to always want a clean house yeah exactly who right. may rise up against yeah. you yeah so it's profound that he is doing something really countercultural. Yeah. 
That's a great point. So I hope we've all had a chance to ex- experience a kind leader. Yeah. yeah, It makes a difference. And so one of those kind leaders that comes to mind for me is Maria Johnson. Mm. I've had the privilege of knowing for a while. And so Maria, as Cloud said earlier, is with us today. Maria, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you just said, my name is Maria Johnson and my husband, Kevin, and I, we've been members of New Vision for about eight years. Uh, we have three sons that I'm so proud of and a daughter-in-law and three grandbabies that I love dearly. Uh, we've served over the years in the prison ministry. Uh, we currently serve on First Impressions, um, have hosted a couple of small, uh, small groups for college ministry. Um, You've been I, around. I have. I'm on the personnel committee. Um, but as far as the community, um, I've been in the educational field for 15 years, for over 15 years. Um, been blessed with many opportunities for leadership positions um, here in Murfreesboro. Um, I've been the principal at Scales Elementary School for the last 10 years. Uh, but this summer, I move o- moved over to the district um, as a director of human resources um, and educator effectiveness for Murfreesboro City Schools. Mm. So basically, that means I recruit, um, I hire, I support, and mentor new teachers and administrators for our district. That's so your job gig. is to take care of all the people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> most definitely. Excellent. That makes sense. Now, have you ever threatened to put students to death or anything like that? Never, <laughs> never. It's being recorded, so I'm glad. Right. <laughs> no, there's liability. Uh, let's start with the hard part, Maria, as, as we get into this. Over the course of your career, uh, have you seen leaders act cruelly to, to people along the way? And what are the implications of that? Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately, I've been molded under the leadership of some extraordinary individuals. Um, but over my lifetime, I have witnessed yeah. and observed those leaders you just would not mm-hmm. want to work for. Yeah. Um, you know, those leaders are the ones that focus on themselves and not developing their teams or empowering them to be leaders mm-hmm. themselves. Um, those are people that you see that don't respect um, they're, they're people, they don't value them, um, they don't even know them a lot of times. They don't build those relationships. Um, and we talked earlier, Andrew, they're just driven. They're driven by the results of the organization or the, or the, the program they're with. Um, and we all know that people work harder when they know that you care about them mm-hmm. and they trust you and yeah. they feel valued. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, in the scripture we read, Saul, he had a guy kill a bunch of priests. We, you don't see that much anymore. But leaders can be cruel um, emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, in, in different ways. How have you seen that show up? Uh, you, you mentioned a little bit of just even not knowing somebody, just yeah, the, exactly. the, the cruelty of not yeah, knowing somebody. And, and I think also, too, that um, when you look at a person's character, it's really reflective in their leadership as to how they treat people. Um, as far as examples of them being cruel and, and mean to others, it can just be just being rude to mm-hmm. someone, you know, not listening to their concerns, not being there to support them, I mean, to help them be successful are some yeah. examples I guess I would say I've seen in, in as far as education. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even just dismissive yeah, exactly. uh, of somebody. Mm-hmm. So how do you as a leader, mm-hmm. and, and I can only conclude that you're in the job you are because somebody at city school saw that you take care of people well. So how do you as a leader prioritize thinking first about your followers? Yeah. You know, I think as a leader, it's, it's your responsibility to prioritize the needs of your people that you lead first. Um, if their needs are not met, then how do you think you're going to meet your goals? How are they going to be successful? Um, so as far as prioritizing their needs, making sure they're knowledgeable, um, have mm-hmm. the skills and the resources and the tools that they need to be successful um, is a part of that. Um, I think once you build your people, everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like equipping and empowering. Yeah, it's exactly. not just the tools, but the the, the freedom to yeah. use it. Kind and of your people have to be first. They have to be first. Yeah. You have to care about them. Some leaders see that equipping people as a threat, mm. maybe even to their job. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a real thing. And, you know, I, and I've witnessed that as well. Um, but those are leaders that probably don't have as much success because mm-hmm. um, Strong leaders understand that collective efficacy would get you what you need. Ooh, can you together. say that again? Collective efficacy. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we got some big words in here. But, you know, working together as a team, uh, you're going to accomplish more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 15 ideas are so much power, so much more powerful than, than one idea and usually mm-hmm. better. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great point. Uh, I love what you said about putting the needs of the followers first. Simon Sinek has a book called Leaders Eat Last. Mm-hmm. that we talk about some here and you're just thinking about other people first to accomplish the mission, but also because they're human beings, they're created in the image of God. He loves them. And so we love them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's great. Uh, David looked for ways to be kind, right? I mean, not just was he kind, but in chapter nine, we saw that he, he went asking to whom can I be kind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's proactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do I go do this thing? Uh, what are some practical ways, Maria, you've seen leaders demonstrate kindness? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, like I mentioned before, you know, I've had the honor to work under excellent leaders, and I've seen their kindness, their compassion, um, and their understanding demonstrated to individuals on a daily basis. Um, we've all had those days where we just have not been 100%, uh, yeah. whether we're not feeling well, um, you didn't get much sleep the night before. And it's those leaders that know their people, that have those relationships, that are able to go in and show the grace and say, hey, Andrew, what's going on today you're not yourself what what can I help you with what do you need That's um, good. so those are those times that I've seen that kindness um, again just having that relationship where you know that something is wrong mm-hmm. and you take the time to stop to yeah. find out what's wrong and how you can help and it even takes time to know somebody enough to know that something's exactly. wrong. that's yeah. investing in them on the front yeah. side yeah that's, that's knowing a- knowing your people and having those relationships and that's hard. So you you lead human resources for Murfreesboro City Schools. I mean, one of the fastest growing districts in the state, if not <laughs> We the are region. getting large. And so how do you find the time to, to do that, to invest in those people? And how did you do it as a principal when you had all of these teachers and faculty and staff yeah. and everybody else? Yeah. And, and I've had more experience with the principal. I'm, I'm, I'm working now and learning more in the districts. I'm getting yeah. out to the schools, vis- visiting those weekly. Um, but as far as being at, you know, at scales over those 10 years, really getting to know the, the teachers, their families, uh, their interests, their goals, mm-hmm. uh, working alongside of them on projects, brainstorming together, um, celebrating together you know it's always great to celebrate and when things don't work you come back together and you work on another plan um but i think it's the hard work it's the time it's the commitment uh, when you have that common goal um, it's how you continue to build those relationships maria i remember a meeting we had last year maybe late last year and uh, the personnel team meets at 7 30 so late on a wednesday and you came in, you said it was a heck of a day because you had spent the day in the cafeteria serving yes, lunch, right? Because you were shorthanded. And so as the principal of the school, mm-hmm. you didn't have to jump in mm-hmm. and help those people, but I'm sure it just made a huge difference to them. Not even mm-hmm. so much in getting the work done, although that was a real thing. I don't know if you're good at serving lunch or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have to ask a couple of my students. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what they say. But just your presence there is a leadership function of, I know what you're going through. I know this is hard. I want to help. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, Greg, as a leader, um, it's your responsibility to be there, I feel like, to be work alongside of my staff, no matter what position that I'm in. And not only work beside them, but I feel it's also part of my role to try and work harder than them, mm-hmm. whether that's mopping the cafeteria floor or setting up for an event. Um because I feel like you need to lead by example. Mm-hmm. And if you're setting those high expectations for your staff or your people that you're leading, they need to see you also work as hard as them. Yeah, mm-hmm. leading from the front. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that, that's great. 
Uh, we talked about this a little before. Some leaders are concerned that uh, if you're too kind, mm-hmm. uh, it can be interpreted as weakness. And, and you may be taken advantage of. You said that was a little bit of a challenge for you early you know, on. It, it was. And I think be, being a leader, um, at first you want everyone to like you, yeah. but for mm-hmm. all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And over time you understand that that like grows out of knowing each other and out of respect. respect um, yeah. So I think when I, when initially when I first started, Greg, I did struggle with that. Um, people taking my kindness for weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I quickly had to learn how to balance that kindness and that strength. Um, and I did that by continuing to build the relationships with my staff, um, but also making my expectations clear and holding staff accountable, but in a respectful manner. Um, again, making your goals, your expectations clear, but then together figuring out how to reach those goals. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to navigate mm-hmm. as, a, as a young leader. But as a leader, too, you have to have difficult conversations, both as a principal and now in HR, there's probably different kind of levels or maybe degrees mm-hmm. of it. But how do you have those difficult, hard conversations? Because people don't do everything right. We're but human. still in a loving <laughs> right we're all human but in a loving way in in really with the heart of kindness even if the words are are difficult to hear yeah. so you know as a leader there are times when you're going to have to have difficult conversations with the people that you lead um, even when you have those caring relationships with individuals um, as a leader you are responsible uh, for holding individuals accountable um, and if you don't address issues as a leader you're not helping your team are those individuals mm-hmm. grow um, so strong leaders, I believe, they, they don't turn a blind eye. They don't stray away from difficult conversations. Um, but it's because they care about their team and the individuals they lead that they want them to do and be their best. Yeah. So that's why you have those difficult conversations is because, hey, Greg, I know you're capable of more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more a heart of making it restorative. Empowering, and redemp- yes. And building. Yes. And not punitive. Exactly. Is the heart behind yeah. it. We're having this conversation because I want to develop you. Yeah. Help you meet the goals. So you talked about development. And so caring is, is, is more than just a leadership principle, like being organized. I mean, it's it's a characteristic, human characteristic. How do you develop that mindset of kindness and caring in younger people? You know, I think from as far back as I can remember, you know, I've just always been taught and raised um about respecting others and treating mm-hmm. people the way that I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you attempt to model this daily through your leadership um, and be the example for others, you're modeling for those young leaders coming up of, of the yeah. expect- the characteristics of a leader. Um, and I feel like strong leaders should always be willing to go that extra mile. Um, yeah. But I think, again, for those young leaders, it's just modeling for them um, and being that example, being that example. Yeah, you don't have to lead with an iron fist to get the, yeah. the results that you want. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. Yep, that's that's fantastic. It's counterintuitive too. It's hard to because the iron fist gets results sometimes. I mean, you know, yeah. get, short term for the short term. I, I yeah, say, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You may get them short term, but think about if you like to use kindness and and you work together as a team, um, and you developed everyone on your team. When you move on, you have that next person ready to come and step up. And I didn't have to do that with an iron fist. Yeah. So, Maria, you work in the city schools. Yes. So you work for a government agency. Yes. And sometimes it's harder to be a Christian than others, you know, in some of those non-church places, like Cloud said. Mm-hmm. Have you navigated that over the course of your career, whether it's in Murfreesboro or in other places? Have you just navigated living out your faith consistently uh, with uh, a place where maybe it's not necessarily hostile yeah. to it, but, yeah. you know, you got to be guarded. Yeah. That. So... And, and as you understand, Greg, there are certain times that I am not able to um, vocalize right. my faith and my belief. But, you know, I pray each day that my actions and my words mm. are reflective mm. that I am a child of God. 
So without saying it, just your interaction with me, hopefully you feel something, yeah. you see the Lord within me. That draws yeah. people yeah. to, what, what does she have? Yeah. Yeah. That my light shines and say, hey, she's got something yeah. going on there. <laughs> yeah. Literally, Chad said the same thing last episode. He was like, he said, be a light. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I love you talking about praying about that. Every day. Each day I do. do Before I came in here. Yeah. Anytime I I, I do any any type of speaking or any event um, or before a difficult conversation even, I I always want to make sure, again, that my actions and my words are reflective of the Lord. I love that. Sometimes it's easy to bemone that we don't get to say everything we'd want to say the way we say it. But when you put it before God, he can make it work. Mm -hmm. He can make it happen. So that's a great, a great thing. Maria, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for yeah, inviting really me. Thank you for having me. You know, some of the things you mentioned as, as a perfect segue for y'all to, to stay tuned to the next episode, you are talking about in your workplace, I mean, you can't just go around evangelizing. There's challenges. Like, the, it's hard to be a Christian. And what exactly does that look like? It sometimes takes courage. And so on the next episode, we're going to have Mark Stout, who's going to be with us talking more about being a courageous leader. But thank you for showing that and leading the way in that. Thank you guys for being here, and we'll see you on that next episode.